Welcome to The Best of Charlotte, a podcast featuring the best small businesses and the most influential professionals in Charlotte, North Carolina. Each week, we'll bring you a new interview with those small business owners and professionals that are making a big impact here in the Charlotte area. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, my friends. I'm your host, Jeff Hamm, and this is episode 60 of the Best of Charlotte podcast. In this episode, I sit down with the founders of Stratagon, Ryan Burkett and Alex Moore. Stratagon is a strategic marketing and sales agency that builds customer-centric campaigns to power revenue growth. Founded in 2005, Stratagon is passionate about helping companies find resourceful solutions for tough business problems. Ryan and Alex share the story of their entrepreneurial journey and the inspiration behind their marketing firm. We also spend some time discussing trends in emerging technologies, and the team shares their thoughts on how these technologies will be impacting sales and marketing for small to mid-sized companies in the coming years. Thanks as always for following along with the Best of Charlotte podcast and connecting a little more closely with the Charlotte small business community. Enjoy getting to know Ryan Burkett and Alex Moore, the founders of Stratagon. Today, I'm joining the team at Stratagon in Charlotte. Alex Moore and Ryan Burkett are joining the podcast. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. And Ryan, Ryan, thanks for joining me. Good afternoon. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you guys taking the time to join the podcast and uh, looking forward to diving into the work that you and the team at Stratagon are doing. But before we get into those details, I always love to share a little bit of information about my guests, a little bit of uh, sort of a bio on the founders. I didn't ask this before we hit record. Who wants to go first? <laughs> we dance quite a bit, but uh, I'll start today. All right. Um, so good afternoon again. My name is Ryan Burkett. Uh, I am a native North Carolinian. There's very few remaining, it seems, these days in the Charlotte area, but uh, have been in Charlotte since 2005. Um, I um uh, come from, uh, not from a marketing background. My background is actually in in technology and ultimately into international governance, um, but um, have been in the area of marketing now for uh, the last 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, time's creeping away on me, Jeff. Um, Alex and I co-founded the company um, many years ago, actually, as an effort to try to contribute um, the access to the education and the experiences that we had to small businesses. And at that point in time, it was really just helping some small businesses that we had come across uh, over the course of just our, our own commercial engagement, helping them to, to begin to kickstart in the direction that they wanted to go from a small business standpoint. And we found ourselves lingering around small business consulting area for a while. Um, but we have been diehard um, B2B primarily uh, driving some B2B support as well from a marketing standpoint within our scope at Stratagon now for the better part of the last 10 years. Um, so, and it's been a, been a great run. We've got a great team supporting us both in High Point and in, in Charlotte and our offices and both respective locations. And uh, it's a joy to come here every day. So, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan kind of covered the, uh, the, the basis there. Um, I will say that it's been enjoyable as we have expanded, you know, our business over the years where, as he said, we were seated in focusing in on a small business market. And in today's world, while we still have some and our passion still very much aligns there, um, it's been great to be able to continue to, to have a bit of a, 
a foot in the water, if you will, with the small business community, just because we see impact so much more and so much faster in those organizations, um, simply because um, change can happen quicker. The analogy of, you know, the Titanic when you're trying to move up or big battleship, you get better reference to a big battleship that you're moving uh, versus the speedboat in, in the water. So um, we're really passionate about all things business and certainly enjoy working with, with our community, uh, small businesses as well. I love it. Yeah, Ryan, uh, native, uh, born and raised. North Carolinians are few and far between. No question about it. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I am not a native North Carolinian, so I'm, you know, one of the uh, guilty parties, I guess. But uh, that you know, North Carolina just has, you know, for obvious reasons, it's such an appealing place, uh, and I love to see the growth and the expansion going on. Uh, most of it, anyway, around Charlotte and other areas of North Carolina. Small uh, the SBA designates a small business, I believe, as any company with under 500 employees. What size, when you guys talk about small businesses, and when I talk about a small business, really what I'm talking about is a micro business. Um, you know, to me, a small business are, you know, teams maybe under 40 or 50. What what size businesses do you guys generally specialize in working with? So um, it's interesting. When we focused on small business very early on, it was... Um, it was literally micro businesses we thought, um, and Alex can share a story about one of our first clients um, that we were just providing some general consulting to. Turns out that she wasn't as micro as we thought she was, uh, but nonetheless, um, in our early days, it was literally helping people who we knew that were starting uh, small retail outlets and such get their their brand underneath them, and frankly, just making sure that they've got their foundations in place. Today, however, our ICP is a little bit different than that. Now we primarily are focused on mid-cap companies and up to enterprise companies. Um, and oftentimes we're using a little bit of a peg um, based on top line revenue for those companies. Um, we're typically seeing most of our clients fall um, somewhere in between the two, the $20 million in revenue and up. Um, and again, most of those are B2B focused. Uh, we also are spending quite a bit of time um, now in higher education, higher education segments, and and of course, the university sizes that we're dealing with there can vary, but um, typically, again, falling somewhere between the 4,000 and 10,000 student enrollment mark, but just depends who comes in the door from the standpoint of the service alignment, and making sure that we believe that we can service them in a meaningful way. Um, so we're more mid-cap and again, up to enterprise. We certainly have Fortune Fortune 1000 companies on our roster. Um, the nature of those engagements, of course, vary, uh, but very rarely are we engaging with small or even micro business in this, uh, in this span of what Stratagon is offering, uh, unless we're talking about a startup that's very heavily funded and has some very aggressive goals that we know that we can satisfy. Yep, yep, understandable. B2B uh, versus B2C, you're working with companies that are really scaling. Yep. So you've got me curious, and I wonder if uh, any chance Alex can share the story about this this founder you worked with uh, a while back that was uh, micro, but maybe not so micro. Well, yes. And I mean, as Ryan had told the story, I didn't get too deep into our educational backgrounds and like, but you know, obviously we, we met in graduate school and had just an opportunity to do some consulting work, which was truly the start of Stratagon. And um, there was a, a firm that we were working with that was in the uh, cleaning business. And it just turns out this particular firm 
looked really small and and by you know you, you know the SBA definition still a small business and you may say micro but they weren't just a, a mom and pop shop with five employees I mean they were closer to like 60 employees and <clears throat> uh, were doing some really significant revenues but just did not have anything from an operational standpoint that would look like a business to you outside of the fact that they were collecting money and depositing money. Uh-huh. So um, it was our first forte into helping um, a small business. You know, Ryan and I both come from small business backgrounds. So none of this was totally foreign to us, even though that's not what we were doing professionally. Um, but it was really kind of cool to get in and help a business that that had really a good product and service. And, and despite all odds, from their background, their education, beat those odds and we're putting significant revenues north of seven figures, you know, in the, in the bank on an annual basis, but they didn't truly understand the other elements of business. So we actually came in and provided real marketing services to them, not to be confused with advertising, uh, helping them think about operations and call centers and brand at some point. And yes, we did eventually get to advertising uh, and, and actually even help them to acquire another company such that they were vertically integrated. So it was a really good, um, almost like post MBA case study mm-hmm. <laughs> that started, you know, this thing that we did. Um, so it was really, really, really cool. And and that was the, the starter strategon. And certainly there was referrals that happened outside of that. And it was a big catalyst to how we got here today. Yeah, that sounds like it was really interesting. That's, uh, that's really cool. And you guys have, uh, speaking of uh, other locations, other markets. Stratagon has offices in Charlotte and is it High Point? Yes. Yeah. Physical locations are there. And we have staff outside of those two offices, but more than 90% of our staff is between those two offices. You also alluded to coming from a small business background. And I understand entrepreneurship kind of runs in the family. Is that it, Does that go for both of you? Yeah, it does. Um Myself, um, I'm from Delaware originally, and um, my parents were in the restaurant business. So I grew up from a very early age, uh, started out actually in the cake baking business. So uh, it's called Kathy's Cakes specifically. And then it got into catering. Um, it was Seymour's Catering, and then it became Seymour's Restaurant and Catering. And ultimately, uh, we ran a full service restaurant for many years. So I was able to you know, witness that not through the lens that I would, would understand today, obviously, but you're just living it at that time. Um, yeah. And my, my grandmother actually ran a restaurant as well in Fayetteville, which is where my family was originally from. Um, so yeah, and inherently it's, it's sort of in the, in the, in the veins. I can't tell you that uh, I woke up someday and said, Hey, I want to go and start a business. And Ryan and I got together and did it. Uh, it was done outside of, uh, uh, you know, kind of towards the need to help someone. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, it was very comfortable, and we realized why it was so comfortable, given our backgrounds and sort of being around that table. But uh, but it turns out that both Ryan and I are third generation uh, entrepreneurs. Um, but he can he can certainly share his uh, background there too. Yeah, Ryan, jump in. Yeah, certainly. So um, <clears throat> as I said, native North Carolinian, um, and coincidentally, my my. Um, maternal family is from High Point, which is where our office, one of our offices is now located completely out of coincidence. Uh, My grandfather uh, was a United Methodist minister, but all throughout um, his tenure as being a minister as well, he was running a a commercial uh, janitorial cleaning services company. Um, So my uncles worked in the business with him. um, And and with that, when I would spend summers, some weeks 
spend the summers with them. Of course, I was 10, 11, 12 years old, and I, I was on trash can duty going around uh, some of the office complexes uh, and municipal buildings that they were in. So um, much to Alex's point there, um, and as well in my parents' retail business, they owned a retail, sizable retail operations um, in Mount Airy, North Carolina, for a number of years as well. Um, much of what we do today, of course, wouldn't seem to directly uh, align to what I learned and what what I experienced there. But I'll tell you what was most important was the criticality and being able to do the small things and and the importance and being able to cover uh, and understand what all of the small pieces and parts are that are happening on a day-to-day basis to make an organization successful. So I'll count that experience as some of the best experience I've had, even though it may have been the owner's son, I was still working the front front counter, uh, cleaning the restrooms when they needed to be cleaning, unloading trucks, uh, um, putting together lawnmowers and and riding lawnmowers. You know, um, it was very critical that everyone rolled up their sleeves and was willing to do whatever was necessary in order to make the business successful. And I think that's part of what drives Alex and myself today. Not uh, not really unfamiliar territory for either one of you. (laughs) Not at all. Totally not. Well, it's a lot of times the owner's son is the first one that's called on, right? <laughs> to, to pick up the slack. Yeah. Absolutely. And the lowest paid employee too. Yeah. And the lowest paid. Yeah. Often not on the clock. When... <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, let's dive into Stratagon. Um, share a little bit uh, and I'll let, you know, whoever wants to jump in here first, share a little bit about the work that you and the team do and and who you serve and the types of products and services that you offer. Yeah, so I'll start. I'll I'll say that um uh here recently, Alex and I've been um playing with the moniker that we're revenue generators and impact creators. Uh we believe that it is important um that our company operates around some core, a core vision that proves to be a bit of a glue for us. So although we are a marketing agency, if you had to nail us to two terms that would align to what our organization does it would be a marketing agency clearly but when you begin to think about marketing in its truest form as alex said earlier expanding outside of the notion of advertising and promotion it becomes as critical that you're focused on customer customer engagement customer engagement strategy uh sales business development business development strategy the brand representing what the organization is that you're delivering the core values upon and then ultimately naturally being able to promote that and and create ideally connection um, which drives transactions so we are a strategic marketing agency. We consider ourselves to be an integrated marketing agency, delivering tech, delivering brand strategy, delivering execution against marketing uh, tactics, including advertising and promotions, and also increasingly spending a lot of time in what we call revenue operations uh, from the standpoint of thinking how we say it's marketing, how sales and marketing interact and engage for uh premium performance and execution. So that's who we are. That's what we do on a on a day-to-day basis. Again, if you call it down, we're marketing, we're focused on sales, sales strategy, we're focused on creative, and we're ultimately making sure that we're top-notch from a technology standpoint because you can't operate in 2023 in any of those dynamics without taking uh, strong consideration and taking advantage of the technology platforms that are available to us today. So that's who we are day to day, and and Alex can fill in any gaps, especially with regards to industry and focus. 
Yeah, those are the the services uh, we tend to find ourselves. Um, I think Brian mentioned higher education, um, B2B manufacturing, <clears throat> professional services, and increasingly in uh, municipalities, uh, both local, and we're working really hard to penetrate the federal space. Uh, we've done some work there, um, but we see that as a really good growth opportunity for us. Ryan, what was that moniker that you mentioned at the beginning of that? Revenue generators and impact creators. Man, I, I like that. <laughs> Like it too. We haven't run it by the team just yet, Jeff. So it hasn't been completely cleared yet, but we'll go with it. Today. All right. <laughs> Should I hold, I hold think off it's on release? Print, though, in a, in a <laughs> couple publications. So I think it may be out there. It just didn't get through it approval yet. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm not breaking this. It's uh, it's 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 out there, and maybe in a small way. Yeah, I got you. Well, I love it. I love it. Um, you brought up technology and emerging technologies and staying on top of uh trends and you know one uh, one trend that's a real hot topic of especially over the last 12 months and it seems to be unavoidable it's everywhere uh in every industry publication and um you know uh, it's it's it seems to be touching uh, every aspect of uh digital media and digital marketing and that is ai and i wondered if uh you know i realize we're we're early in the journey uh, here when it comes to AI, um, as we see it, as we're seeing it now, but wondered if there was, uh, you know, if you could speak on, you know, what you see so far and what you, what you might see coming down the line for AI. Um, Alex, I'm going to start with you this time. Wow. Um, really big topic. Um, I think we are at the starting, like the real tip of the iceberg um, for where uh, generative AI is going. Um, to be clear, I mean, AI has been around for many, many, many years. Um, it's just the accessibility to the common user, which makes it so much more powerful today. Um, so I think that where it's going to go is we're going to find that very common task that we used to depend on human capital to do. I think we will find that AI will empower those same humans to do it faster. Um, Overly, uh, overall, more efficiently, and potentially better, <laughs> better results, more consistency. Um, do I think that AI will single-handedly, you know, replace someone's job? You know, that's kind of one of those things. When automation came to manufacturing, it was like we don't need people anymore. And the thing is, is you know, I believe that those things generate other jobs because someone has to make the machines that do that work, right? And I think we're going to see similar types of things with AI. There's there's going to be certain functions within jobs that just don't need the same brain power that it once required. It just means that that brain power can be used for something slightly different. Um, we are not at the stage today, though, where, for example, I think the most common use case that we are seeing for AI, particularly using tools like ChatGPT, has been around right And very few things have we seen come out that we feel like we would just copy and paste into something. Could some People do that for sure, but the being a professional in the business that we do, it doesn't quite fit that um, today. It doesn't mean that it won't someday. It just doesn't today. Um, and um, I think we're in for a pretty interesting ride. I don't know that anyone has the true crystal ball, but I can tell you that the leading indicators suggest that there's a whole lot more coming. Um, and we certainly are not just on the sidelines with this. I mean, we are deeply invested in this space and have made some pretty significant um, human capital and financial investments into platforms that put us right in the middle of this. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting. What you just said there sort of aligns with the the opinions and the 
industry experts that I kind of follow on a regular basis. And I like the analogy used that the, for for example, automobile manufacturers, you know, the assembly lines, uh, machines, uh, to a certain extent did replace certain jobs, but it also created a lot of other jobs as well. And there's still always going to be a need for that, uh, for the, uh, you know, the human, or at least <laughs> as far as we can tell that uh, for foreseeable future, that there's always going to be a need for humans to create, to uh, design, to, you know, program and so forth. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. And how how much is it? Uh, how many? How often do you get this question from your clients? <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty normal question today. Uh, I mean, it varies from how how are we using it to how should they be using it, or mm-hmm. how should it be impacting our efficiencies, or maybe even their price point, right? All of the above. Um, and and at the end of the day, it's a tool. It's mm-hmm. a tool, and uh, if used well, can be a tool that adds value. Uh, it could also be abused, of course. Um, so. You know, I think the the jury's still out as to what it means. I don't know if it ever truly settles. I think the innovation curve probably just continues to happen. Um, so don't ignore it is the thing we're telling, you know, not only our customers, but our staff, our friends and our families, you know, don't think that this is something that is only for the techies. It, it is going to uh, continue to hit, you know, most likely every area of our, our life. For sure. Alec, or I'm sorry, Ryan, did you have anything you wanted to add there? You know, I think if if we think about uh, our engagement with um, with the internet, for instance, and we think about when we first started having access to thorough search engines and what it opened up to us from the standpoint of having access to information that was far-reaching and now was very specific and targeted with a search term, it took us. I would suggest many, many years and several iterations to begin to envelop that into or to align that to the way that we were naturally processing as humans. I think the same thing exists with AI today. Um, the out, first of all, AI did not come about in 2023. We all know this, right? But I think because of the fact that availability and access, at least for laymen to engage with the tool, really has come about in the last six to 12 months, that now it is seen as potentially what, what some may see as a bit of a panacea to some um, to skills that others may not have had before. And I don't believe that's the case. AI is only going to be as good as the people who are using it. When you start to think about even chat GPT and content uh, that is generated out of machine learning and out of generative AI, the reality is the people who are best able to use that tool have studied and progressed in how to use that tool best. And you start to hear about things like prompt engineering. That's going to be critical, but it's also going to become normalized over the course of time. It's not going to change this year. I think the best opportunity that exists will be twofold or multi-tier, I should say. It will be for those who are engaging to be able to know how to use it to deliver the quality of output that they need, which may not be steeped in specifications or detailed or analytics. It may be as simple as what we're doing right now, querying into Google, for instance, into a Google search. And that's going to be great when we have the separation that allows us to see now the AI in our industry from a marketing strategy standpoint can be dependent upon to help us create a fast path to data analytics and and create a fast path towards um, 
more specification and personalization and, and overall audience identification and targeting. But it's going to take pros to know how to use it in that way. But that just means that we're going to have segments of AI much the same way as we have segments of internet usage over time. It's not going anywhere. It's going to continue to intensify. I think it's important that people both commercially and, and individually and personally start to think about how they use it for what they need um, and not try to jump to the leaps of now I can be a marketer or I can be a content developer because I have ChatGPT. It's not realistic. And I think we'll be able to see that it's, we'll chafe the wheat there. We'll be able to see the separation between those who don't know how to use it and those who don't. It's still going to allow experts to exist, um, which is, I think, back to the same Ford analogy. It's going to create separation, but it's not going to create elimination. Yeah, yeah, and as a full-time content producer, I I can tell you I've been I've had my eye on um, on AI since, uh, as you said, you know. And to be clear, it it's been around. AI has been around. The technology has been around for a long time, but the accessibility to the layman through ChatGPT and um, uh, other uh, other products that have launched and uh, since then has kind of changed the game. Uh, and it's funny. Speaking of content production, I, I have a friend who, uh, right after about the time Chat GPT was launched and became available to the public, uh, he became a blogger on LinkedIn. Out of the blue, uh, long blog uh, posts on LinkedIn and. To me, I it, I called him like I knew it right away. First first post <laughs> I saw, I said, oh, "That's ChatGPT." Yeah, what 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 you type in to to come up with that mm-hmm. post? It didn't last long, but yeah, it's uh, it's not going to replace um, it's not going to replace creators anytime soon. But it's uh, as you said, it can be a tool that could, uh, as we see it right now, could possibly help with efficiency and speed. And I've I've tried to use it without real success to develop long form written blog articles on certain topics. Uh, a lot of my website uh, for other platforms, not this platform, uh, traffic is dependent on organic Google search um, rankings. And I've gone back to just, I, I tried a couple of articles and by the time I edit it and fact check these these articles, I may as well just write the article. So uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a big topic. As you said, it's a big, big subject. We could spend a lot of time kind of get into the weeds on that one, but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it uh, as an overview. What about other specific technologies that you guys are working with in your shop? Can you share some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know that I certainly suggested that we were strategy first, but I'll tell you, we're passionate about technology. Um, and we have been a partner for with HubSpot for the last uh, going on 10 years now, uh, have been uh, very active within the HubSpot community, uh, inclu- including um, co-sponsoring local meetups here within the Charlotte area, as well as within the Piedmont Triad around High Point. So um, again, very active in, in the community, but also very technically savvy from the standpoint of HubSpot as a marketing automation platform, as well as as a sales slash CRM platform. Uh, everyone in our shop talks HubSpot. We are a HubSpot client as well. Uh, but everything from marketing, again, to CRM sales, even web and service, uh, the platform is is fully enabled for. And we do, uh, I'd suggest that almost 80% of our clients, we're doing some enhanced deployments of the HubSpot platform. 
Um, the other platform I'll, I'll ask Alex to speak to, which is an opportunity we've had to not only invest, but help to spearhead the development of that we're really excited about as well. Yeah, the other one uh, is a tool called BrandGen, like brand generation. And you can uh, find out more information on BrandGen at brandgen.io. Um, but in a few seconds, BrandGen is a programmatically centric ad delivery platform. And we built it initially focused on account-based marketing, which practitioners in the space just call it ABM. And it was built under the tenet that we um, are under the kind of time of data privacy and how you do targeting and things have to be done with care. Google is changing the game a lot with respect to cookies and how that works. And businesses that are trying to target other businesses don't have a lot of options. So if you are a business and you want to put an ad in front of another business, how do you do that today? Um, Google is not the way to do that. Sure, you could do search, but from a display standpoint, how do you target a C-level exec or a vice president or a director at, you know, pick your logo of choice? BrandGen helps make that connection. So if you're an advertiser and want to get in front of folks that you maybe don't know personally, but you know these are the companies that fit your ideal customer profile, and you know that these are the titles and the roles of the types of people who typically buy from you, um, using account-based marketing uh, approach is something that is, um, is highly advisable. And within the broader world of account-based marketing, there is this notion of activating accounts. How do I actually get my logo in front of the right people who are going to make the decision? And in the business-to-business -business world, oftentimes it is decision by committee. So oftentimes you need to make sure that your brand is known by multiple people and BrandGen affords uh, that opportunity. So um, uh, Ryan and I made an investment uh, into BrandGen some years ago and have taken an active uh, role in helping to build out that platform from a technology standpoint, as well as operationally. And many of our clients are using it and many people who are not Stratagon clients use it as well. So great platform. Um, one that I'd highly advise take a look at, particularly if you're a B2B marketer and you're engaged in digital advertising. Let's dive back into Stratagon and you know dial in a little bit on sharing maybe a little bit more precisely the kind of work you guys do in terms of how do you, what are some unique problems that your team solves and, and how do you do that? When you think about why people come to us, I think that's a, a really good place to start. Um, I think low-hanging fruit, easy button things tend to be things like, oh, I need a website. right? Um, or more and more recently, um, companies are realizing that the specialization of their sales and marketing activities in a CRM plus a marketing automation platform adds incremental value. Um, perhaps even their service teams, the people who are on the front lines taking calls, customer service, those kinds of folks as well, having a centralized, centralized element of that. And if you take that basic premise and say, okay, let me see, I get this. I work for a company. They market things, they sell them, and then they service them. There's a couple of things that have to coexist and make all that work. There are There's data around that needs to be managed. There's typically a system that needs to help manage that data. And then from a sales and marketing standpoint, there's processes, there's content, and then there's creative. And fundamentally, in the most comprehensive engagement, we are helping companies think through that. Like, what's your strategy? How are you executing? What's your internal staff doing? And what's your customer experience? Um, that is like best case scenario. 
more often than not, though, people are coming to us with more of a tactical need, such as, hey, can you help configure my system? Or, hey, can you help me kick off this advertising campaign or build this website? Uh, our inquiry will probably lead to what are you really trying to accomplish? Because once you have this website, we would assume there's an expectation that you're driving traffic to it. There's also an expectation that you expect to learn something about those people who visited your website. At a minimum, where did they come from? What did they look at? How long did they spend there? And are you seeing some type of a trend that would be interesting to your sales team to help them do what they do better? In a best case scenario, uh, they come in, we understand all those things, but we also get them to tell us who they are. And then that leads into some kind of sales cycle or some extended marketing cycle until we believe that they are actually ready to have a sales-based conversation. So it's really easy to talk about that, you know, in uh, you know, whatever 30 seconds or a minute. However, the complexities to do that in today's world is really, really hard given that consumers, both on the B2B as well as the B2C side of the house, have non-linear buying journeys. In other words, they don't just go, call, buy, done. You know, they have so much uh, information at their fingertips. You know, it's the car dealer of today where I literally have been at a conference where there was a sub-segment of um, participants that were from the car dealership arena. And I literally watched uh, a grown person shed tears in full of a room because they were in that industry. And they they hearkened for the day uh, when they could see a customer come onto the lot, look at a car and ask them for insight and information. And it just wasn't happening. And that this was over 15 years ago. That they were like, yeah, when everyone comes to the lot, they know everything about the car. Heck, they know more than I know about it. And they don't even want to talk to me anymore. And it was an experience that that you know, well-tenured um, sales professional in the, in the automotive industry just said, wow, I just don't, we don't have that anymore. Um, so it was really interesting. I, I'll never forget that day. But I think that is, that is um, a good reflection of what we see around how buyers buy today and the, and the information and the research that they do. And you know, if you're a company trying to sell to someone, you should be asking yourself, how do I, how do I organize all that? You know, how do I make sure that for every hour and every dollar that I spend that I'm getting the biggest return on it, which may not be in dollars initially, that return may be an insights and information return that will be leading indicators into, okay, now I can actually go sell more. And really dial in and hone in on all those different areas. How many of your clients would you say what percentage, or let me ask this less specifically, is it common for new clients to connect with you initially in search of a, a tactical solution or a solution to a, a tactical issue? It's all, it's all over the board, I'd say, but go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just going to offer that. I think that uh, oftentimes clients, um, especially prospects that come in the door, they think they have their grasp around what their challenge is uh-huh. and ultimately gets articulated into something that's very, very tactical. Uh, we want to, we want enhanced lead generation or we want greater brand awareness within our geography or within our city or whatever it may be. Um, I think that ultimately, well, let me back up for a second. As we mentioned earlier, Stratagon didn't come from the, from a traditional marketing genesis, i.e. come out of a web design firm that begin to upskill into greater marketing enhancement or come from an ad and promotion shop standpoint where 
they were all about creative and now they want to begin to to think more around marketing strategy we come from a strategic focus like we come and start from the place of asking questions so when we do have prospects that come in the door and they think they know what they're looking for from a tactical standpoint that's when the conversation begins for us uh very, very rarely is it succinct enough, Jeff, where we are saying, great, we hear what you want, and here's what it looks like to deliver that. Right. Sometimes we're having a series of conversations to really get to what the core uh, need is that is driving what they they would articulate to us as being the goal. Goals are great. Having a Having a succinct tactical goal in mind is outstanding because that keeps things as much as possible in black and white where we all know where we're headed. However, oftentimes there are many different drivers that are, are either preventing them from being successful against that goal today or creating the new goal that, that uh, may exist in front of them. So we're always uh, coming in the door, asking the questions, engaging. And, and I'll be honest, there are a significant number of times that we have people who will come to us out of inquiry looking for uh, a solution to something they would consider to be a tactical goal or tactical challenge, as you suggested. Um, they will choose to go to a different agency. Maybe it's because it's more succinct. Maybe it's about price point, whatever it may be. A significant number of our clients come back to us after we've had a conversation and they've moved in a different direction because they realize through that engagement that the tactical delivery against a tactical goal wasn't really solving the problem that they had. And what we were uncovering in our conversation and what they became comfortable with after receiving other delivery is that we were going to work with them, partner with them to help them uncover what they really needed in order to be successful against what was surfacing out to be something tactical. So that's just the way that we operate. And again, that's out of that's the way that we have grown through time and from where we, you know, our seed was planted was really thinking marketing strategy, not thinking web technology, not thinking creative ad promotion, but thinking, what are we trying to do? What are the the um, stakeholders and the actions that we're trying to create? And then ultimately, let's get to the results. What are the results we're trying to drive? A lot of questions have to be asked, right? There's a lot of layers. There's no quick fix to any big problem uh, or, you know, or big challenge. Um, yeah, it uh, makes a lot of sense. I, I was just curious. I, I know that yeah, I'm not running a seven-figure enterprise, but I, I know in 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 uh, in businesses that I've run, I've I've been approached a lot with uh, by new clients or prospects who are looking for a uh, that quick fix, right? That uh, that solution uh, to this this one thing, and um, it's really it requires some patience and some uh, you know a lot of questions that need to be asked to kind of wrap their heads around. You know, let's look at the overall strategy and really get to the core of what we're trying to accomplish here. Guys, I know that you are extremely busy. I really I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join the podcast. This has been uh, super cool. We we could go on for probably two or three hours. Um, I have a million questions that I would love to ask you. Uh, but I, out of respect for your time, I, I just want to... I'm going to close this. But I want to say thank you so much for... Uh, for taking the time to join the podcast. I really appreciate it. How can um, how can listeners learn more about Stratagon and connect with you and the team? Easiest way uh, would probably just to catch us online at stratagon.com. Um, we're all very active on LinkedIn as well. So you can definitely find uh, the company there and you certainly can find Ryan 
as well, Ryan Burkett and Alex Moore uh, on LinkedIn. So either one of those are very easy ways uh, to connect with us. And certainly if there's anything we can do to help you, uh, we would uh, definitely welcome that opportunity. And no uh, no AI-generated blog posts on, on your accounts? No, no AI-generated no. blog posts. We uh, may ask AI, how would they think about it? Make sure they think it was real <laughs> well. Grammar <laughs> tech page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love it. Guys, I uh, just want to say thanks again. Alex Moore is the co-founder of Stratagon. Alex, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it was a pleasure. And Ryan Burkett is the co-founder of Stratagon. Ryan, thanks again for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Enjoy the conversation. Look forward to the next opportunity. Thanks again to Ryan and Alex for joining the podcast and sharing the story behind Stratagon. You can learn more about Stratagon at stratagon.com. Ryan and Alex also invite you to connect with them on LinkedIn. I'll have the link to Stratagon as well as links to each of their LinkedIn profiles in the show notes for this episode. As always, you can find the complete show notes for all of our episodes at the home of Charlotte's number one small business podcast, www.thebestofclt.com. Friends, thanks as always for following along with the Best of Charlotte podcast. Another episode drops next week, and I sincerely hope you'll join me again for a listen. Until then, cheers, Charlotte. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Best of Charlotte. Please consider subscribing to the podcast to stay up to date on our weekly episodes and leave us a review. Until next time, cheers, Charlotte.